hello, hello. Hello. Welcome to episode 79 of the Tutus podcast. Mm-hmm. I am Nana. And I am Rose. And together we are Tutus. Tutus. <laughs> All right, we... <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's got a jingle. We, yeah, we do. We do. Make up has to go along every week. She <laughs> always adds something onto it. Okay, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 a little bit. Of, you know, we've got a special guest today. As you can see, if you can't see, go ahead on YouTube and watch the video. But we've got a lovely, lovely guest with us today. Would you like to introduce yourself? Good afternoon. My name is Mark Thompson. Mark Thompson. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, well, I'm Mark Thompson. I'm a social justice activist, a health promoter. A man living with HIV, uh, a black gay man, unapologetic mm-hmm. about all of those. Um, I'm from Brixton, or the People's Republic of Brixton, <laughs> as I like to call it, the end. Um, the and I'm just really delighted to be here. You yeah. know, I've been around for a while and I hope to tell you more about me and, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you want to know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're from South. Do you know what? Yeah, my girlfriend's from South. And um, she's like, yeah, my city, my city. I'm just like, it's not a personality trait. Calm down. <laughs> Every <laughs> chance you get, she, right. oh my, it's, it's a personality It's too much. It's, it's a South thing, though. People from South are really proud. Yeah, we, we, we are. Yeah. Because you know I mean? there's not much damage. No, <laughs> no, because the fact is, right, I mean, this is the furthest I've been north of the river for right. a while. Oh, right? is it? Yeah, oh, yeah for okay. a, a really long time. And South London is just a really special place, but I'm sure mm-hmm. North Londoners do that. But we, mm-hmm. we are really protected, yeah. I don't think North especially for from Brixton. No, North yeah. is the same. North no. is not the same. No. Not the same. And, and South is really big. That's the thing as well. Like it's huge. Mm, yeah. So many, yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I mean, I get it. I get it. Yeah, <laughs> we truly. So normally we start off with a game. Okay. But we thought this week, because it's our first episode into Pride Month, mm-hmm. we'll just talk about like each of our favourite uh, memories for Pride from Pride. Mm-hmm. Like each, what, what year was the best year and why? Why was it your best year? Oh. So, Mark, you go first. I will go first. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I've been, I mean, I've been celebrating and going to Pride events for coming up to 30 odd years. I think so my mm. first big Pride event was in Kennington Park in 1991 when wow. probably a lot of people who are listening were, you know, their yeah. mums and dads might have been that pride. <laughs> um, but my favourite pride actually wasn't in this country. My favourite oh. pride was New York Pride in 1995 mm-hmm. and it was a 25th celebration of mm. the Stonewall Uprising. Wow. And it was the first time I'd really gone to New York big and it was lots of black queer people that were there and it was like a week-long celebration of absolute madness. Mm. Um, so that was probably one of my favourites there. And in the UK, it was probably when I ran the People of Colour space at Pride mm-hmm. in 96 and 97. So me and my company, Big Up, we set up what was the People of Colour tent, which was a space for queer people. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had performers, DJs, and that was probably one of the best that I've ever been to. Mm, that's a bit, Do you know what? Having said that, a lot of people feel like, or they don't know, they feel like Black Pride is the first thing that was there for black queer people. Yeah. And a lot of people don't really know or even I understand that there was, you know, there's been black queer people before 2000 yeah. or whatever it was, you know, <laughs> and they were celebrating Pride Month too. Yeah. So like, how was that set up and what you were doing the tent and how big did it become as well? Because like I said, people think black pride is the first thing we know yeah. it ain't, but you know, some people just do, you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, UK black pride is a great thing, which started in 2004, five, mm-hmm, you know, yeah. and, but there was a really long history of involvement in, pride movements here and it goes right back to the very first pride march Mm. so one of the very first pride marches in this country was around 1971 and ted brown who is an amazing activist we call him uncle ted in the Mm -hmm. community was one of the first black people to go on that one of the first queer people to go on the march Mm. and therefore subsequently one of the first black people to go on that march so we've always been present but in terms of a really visible visible presence 
1991 at Kennington Park, this pride that I went to, a couple of black men rocked up with a speaker box and a ghetto blaster and was mm. like, there's no space for us, mm-hmm. we're going to create mm. it. And that became a space. The following year, they set up a tent, the People of Colour tent, and each year they ran it. My organisation called Big Up, we did sexual health prevention and promotion yeah. for black gay men. And we got some funding to do a safer sex kind of party mm. in the park. And so we did that for two years. And then a couple of other people took it over the year after. Mm-hmm. But as Pride shifted, the people of colour tents disappeared okay. as well. Yeah. And so Pride as a big event in the park, that ended. And then UK Black Pride takes over mm-hmm. and becomes this massive, amazing thing mm-hmm. that it is. But I mean, you're absolutely right. There is a really, really long history of us being involved in pride movements the marches Mm -hmm. we've gone to you Mm -hmm. know probably less so now because of the debacle over the past couple of years but we should still be present man Mm -hmm. we should still rock up at these things and we should claim our space at them we've had a hard time doing that i think because we i think we've been to a few uh pride marches Mm -hmm. you know general one on the saturday but we've never felt like we was meant to be there there was always this thing it's just corporate it's just, yeah it's, it's corporate, corporate yeah. and it's very yeah. white yeah you know we just don't feel that we should be there but we we always go to black pride we always go to uk black yeah. pride mm-hmm. but i think what you said is important about claiming the space because it's important to demand the space and say i'm meant to be here Absolutely. you know so i i do agree with that i'm trying to think of my best memory of pride and it has it's going to be uk black pride because i mean we're kind of new to this yeah we're kind of new to this um so yeah i think it was like a few years ago i remember it rained after but i didn't care because it was such an uh, pride is always like a, an amazing day to meet new people and your family and your tribe your chosen people and it's always just filled with so much love and laughter and it's always a good time. But yeah, mm. I think it was like maybe a few years back that was my favourite Pride and mm. the weather was amazing and just seeing beautiful black people, that's always... Mm-hmm. Did I come to that? I don't think I came to you. You did, you did. Come, you, did, did yeah, you were there, you were oh, there. Okay. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> this is the time we saw your ex and um, I was drunk, so I confronted him. Oh, that, okay. Do you know that what? One. That year. Yeah. That year. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was there that year. I saw that. You probably were. <laughs> what, like, okay, so... I think the year before that, so that would have been too... I don't know what year that was, but mm. the year before that was my favourite one. I kind of spent half my time there by myself mm. and I just was talking to different people. Mm. And to me, before that, I was a very shy person and I wasn't someone who necessarily would have got into a space that I wasn't that sure about by myself, especially not by myself. Mm-hmm. So I just went, I said, you know, me do it, you know, yeah. I'm going to go out here, I'm going to talk to people. And I did. I see people that I knew, obviously, as you do, is pride. Mm. So you're going to see people that you know and um, that was nice. But a lot of people that I met when I was by myself, I'm still cool with them till today. Yeah. Yeah. And even if it's like like Jamie, if we've got a friend called Jamie, I met her that day. We only see her once a year at Pride. <laughs> but it's great. <laughs> she comes across to Pride every year, but it's fine. Yeah. And, and she does our girlfriend's nails outside of that. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, like that year, I would say definitely, um, I think that actual Pride itself made me come out of my shell a little mm. bit more. So for me, that's why it's my favourite one. I, uh, I get that. Um, but yeah, on, on Pride, yeah, because I saw someone tweet about Pride, you know, started off as a protest mm-hmm. and like now it's, 
because we've come such a long way, specifically in the UK, it's more of like a celebration yeah. and stuff like that. But now I'm thinking about like different parts of the world, especially like Africa, where, yeah. you know, there's a mad stuff happening in Ghana. Nigeria, mm. there's stuff happening there too. Like, it seems almost like parallel mm. to like when Pride started here in the UK or the US. And I'm just, you know, I'm starting to think about how does that make you feel like hearing about those stories that, you know, you, were, you lived at a time where those things were happening mm. and now you're seeing them happen in different parts of the world how does that like make you feel because i feel hopeless i wasn't there so i just kind of feel like oh what can we do like yeah, mm. yeah how does that make you feel i mean it's a i mean it's a very real situation and, and one does feel helpless mm. and you also feel a little bit hopeless right? right but there's a few things which i always bear in mind is that we were all there once mm -hmm. and we have traveled and we are where we are now mm -hmm. so that can give our brothers and sisters who are in those spaces some hope yes. that that can happen and i think one of the things that i've seen over the years is because of social media, because of the internet, that gives people in the African continent, in the Caribbean, in places where homosexuality is legal or criminalized, the opportunity to look out in the world and see better mm. and want to build better. Mm. I think when we are marking and celebrating pride here, and I do believe that politics should still be in pride, and I do believe it should still be a party. Yes. Right? I want to go and shock out. Mm. I want to hear good music and get drunk and meet boys and fall down and mm. all yeah. that sort of stuff. But I also want us to use it as a moment to highlight the fact that our brothers and sisters are not able to do that yeah. at all. And rainbow flags and unicorns and corporate stuff is so weighed down on their agenda. Yeah. And I think there's a big noise, particularly this year and increasingly against corporate involvement in there. And I think, yeah, we should make that noise about it. Mm -hmm. But why don't we challenge the corporates to say, okay, so how can you use that money right. more productively, mm -hmm. right? How can you invest in what's going on mm -hmm. over there? If you're a multinational company mm -hmm. and you're celebrating pride in the UK and you're slapping rainbow flags on everything, <laughs> but then your corporate practices in the African continent mm -hmm. or in the Caribbean or with the religious right in America mm -hmm. are still upholding that homophobia, yeah. then there's a mismatch yep, there, yeah. mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I'll take your money. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. But how can we utilise your money mm -hmm. better? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we always do feel like it is a bit performative because it only people only care about the gays when June comes around. And you the know? blacks in October. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that you is know, really yeah. the AIDS in on December the first. I mean yeah. it's just like you know you've got your moment. Yeah, so that is so true. But yeah. um yeah, so speaking about it, today is you know HIV long term survivors awareness day and that's such an amazing thing. I didn't even know until obviously it was pointed out to me, but it's such an amazing day. How does that like make you feel? Because obviously you know when we're talking about like the AIDS crisis and when it started, we've come a long way in terms mm. of science, in terms of information and people knowing certain things. It's come a long way. We have uh, portrayals on TV. We had It's a Sin. We have polls and stuff. Like, how does it make you feel to have come like such a long way? What, what does that mean to you? And, and, you know, it's an awareness day. So, like, how, how do you bring awareness to it, like, just in your everyday life? Well... I mean, today is, is, is significant and mm -hmm. it's important because not only, I mean, it's Long-Term Survivors Day for a particular reason mm -hmm. that it was 40 years today that the first five cases of what became known as AIDS were reported scientifically. Yeah. So that's why it's marked mm -hmm. particularly today. So I think it's really important for us to remember because so, one, so many of us have survived, that's two, yeah. but also over 30 million people died. Yeah. And that's why we hold today, because it's not just about survival, it's mm -hmm. also about remembrance. And mm -hmm. I think with World AIDS Day, that gets a little bit lost in mm. the conversation. And having lost friends and loved ones, but also being here, it's a moment to reflect, but it's also an opportunity to think, okay, where do we go next? And how do we continue 
to survive mm -hmm. because being a long-term survivor is one thing, but there are still people who are newbies who are still being diagnosed right, and still yeah. being impacted by HIV. Fortunately, there's less and less people in this country, but again, people of colour are disproportionately affected, women are disproportionately affected by HIV. So these are the things which I hope that today continues to reignite mm. that conversation. For me as a long-term survivor myself, 35 years and counting, it's a special day because, you know, I didn't think I'd be here. You know, mm. I didn't think that there would be a... I got diagnosed and grew up for a time where the idea of long-term survivors was was crazy. Yeah. Mm. So to be here in 2021 and there was an mm. actual day about it is a real opportunity for reflection. Mm. But I think of my brothers who have gone, yeah. you know, who aren't here to share this moment. And my brothers globally mm -hmm. as well, you know, and many women. In that yeah. as well you know mm -hmm. lots and lots of black women yeah talking about women as well like yeah. the person i know personally in my life is a woman who is living her hiv and for her she oh karma doesn't really feel represented mm. and for her like she's still living in that shadow because just because she's afraid to step out and it's almost as if for her like oh that's just something like guys are able to do and be free about mm. and as a woman i can't really take that space as well and you know what kind of advice would you give to somebody like her because i she's amazing i mm. would love for her her to like just do her and kind of not feel like she has to be living in the shadow because mm. as well as living with HIV it's almost like not that it takes over but like going to social spaces it's all sometimes it's almost for her like I don't want to go there because if, if anyone finds out then boy they're going to close the door kind of mm. thing so but I don't want it to for it to be like that for her yeah. um and what if you know any spaces for black women to go to as well mm. if there are any yeah. like to share as well yeah I mean I know I mean I've been really lucky that I've worked in HIV for a really long time and from 2012 to 2017, I worked at an organisation called Positively UK and I ran a national peer mentor programme. And I was really privileged to work with some incredible black women. I mean, some of those incredible black women outside of my family that I've ever mm -hmm. encountered, all in with HIV. Many of them out, proud, positive women. And when I say positive, in every single yeah. angle. But there's also lots of women who are content and happy with their status who don't come out about mm. it for fear of because they have children yeah. families they're in the church they're in really small communities and i hope people when they hear me say this they understand what i mean sometimes those women have a lot more to lose by coming out yeah. right about mm. their hiv and in some ways you can make a connection between us as black queers coming yeah. out right sometimes mm. we've got a lot more to lose mm -hmm. like our family yeah. where we get our hair done where we buy our food right. you know, all these sorts of yeah. things right and it's something really similar for black women with HIV. Mm. And black women are the second largest group in this country with HIV, right? And lots of people don't talk about yeah. that. But there are some women who are visible mm -hmm. and they are amazing advocates and they've done great work. And, you know, Winnie Sasuma, Rebecca Mwebe, Angelina Namiba, Susan Cole Henry. These are four women mm, who yeah. come to mind who you can Google and find out mm -hmm. and they do great work. My advice would be is one, find other black women who have got HIV and you yeah. can find them at organizations like Positively UK. And they did this amazing project called Catwalk for Power, which was all about getting women to make their own clothes, to make towards making a fashion show, mm -hmm. which would then be about demonstrating their power mm -hmm. and their beauty. And through sewing and making clothes, they made connections mm -hmm. with each other and made friendships. 
So I think there was there are spaces out there. Yeah. So yeah. I think just Google and yeah. you can find. But Positively UK is a great organisation. Mm. I check you heard them that? out. You heard that? Yeah, yeah, that. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is an interesting point about women not you know like because I remember watching it. I watch a lot of TV. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, oh I'm good, I'm with you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watch a lot <laughs> of TV. Watch she gets on my nerves. <laughs> she doesn't watch enough. <laughs> I'm like, there's so much to delve into here. I'm just in bed. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. What Wait, you can be in bed watching TV. Yes, I just, what I do you actually do? I don't know. What do you do? I just don't know. <laughs> I'm googling things. Oh my god. <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get on. I'm gonna watch it this hope, week. I'm gonna send you a list. Okay, I'm gonna send you a list. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's in. What I noticed is that there weren't a lot of women. It was only about the guys in it's yeah. in, and obviously there was. Obviously, there was one black guy, mm-hmm. and then I saw that you made a playlist because you said that there weren't <laughs> the music. You weren't. You was around that time, and you, that's not the music you were. Listening yeah, to. <laughs> that's not music you were bumping to. So I'm glad that you made that playlist. I listened to, to it today when I was getting dressed, and it was a vibe. So thank you for that. But how did you feel about the portrayal and also the lack of women in the show? Okay, so I've spoken about this quite a bit, and oh, I'm happy. To, I'm happy to get Sorry, no, yeah. no, 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 and I'm, and I'm happy to ask you yeah. from a different, slightly different perspective. Mm. Um, it's a sin did what it did and it did it very well mm-hmm. and it's written by a great writer Russell T Davis he's a white gay man but I have learned over the years not to expect white gay men to write my narrative mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so I went into it's a sin with huge expectations like oh my gosh but also really anxious because it's my story yeah and within 10 minutes I went to kick in the TV mm-hmm. because the whole representation of blackness and the black family and the Nigerian family I was like there's so many ways you could have done that. Yeah. But by the end of it, I was like, it's a great story. It's not my story. Yeah. And that's okay. Mm, what I true. wanted to do was to open doors for other people to tell their story. So since it's a sin, I've been out there telling people my story left, right and centre. Yeah. And this is what we need more of. And we need more women. Going back to your mm, earlier point, mm. we need more women, more trans people who are impacted by HIV, more younger people who are impacted by HIV, more migrants to be able to come forward and tell their stories. Whether or not the people who are paying for those stories are willing to listen. But this is why we've got platforms like this yeah. to do that. Mm. So I'm not mad at it because my expectations are lower now. Mm-hmm. Right. right? I don't expect that. Yeah. But what I do know is that there were lots of women and lots of women of colour who stood by us mm. through the epidemic. And there's this narrative of difference between black queer women and black men. Right, mm-hmm. that black yeah. men got all of this and black queer women left on the sidelines. And I'm here to tell you that during those dark times, our communities came together mm. and black women were at the forefront of supporting, you know, and working with black queer men to fight HIV at the time. Mm-hmm. So it's for us now to start telling those stories. It's for younger people to start digging down and mm. going, right, so what did happen? Right. Where did that take place? Stop expecting them to tell our story because it ain't going to happen. I wouldn't trust them to, to, to tell the story anyway. Like when right. they write for black characters, it's always bland. There's never any spice. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There's never any Maggie Cube. It's always bland as hell. Maggie so Cube. like, yeah. It's <laughs> always <laughs> so salt and pepper. Like there is nothing. So I wouldn't trust them to anyway. Mm. So I, mm. I appreciate what you're saying about, you know, you lowering your expectations. I think that we that's what we have to do. But we have to, as you said, start telling our own stories. And yeah. That is amazing. And talking about stories, your archives, you know, those, those. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. I, would, I love seeing back in the day stuff. I don't know what it is, but I just yes. love seeing it. Mm-hmm. And just like the community that you guys had is just so beautiful and so inspiring. Because now, yeah, I feel like there's a bit of, in, there's a, bit of a segregation between the, the, yeah. Between who? The, the, 
the gays and the and the lesbians. Like there's a bit of segregation. Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah, we don't really go in the same spaces yeah. now. Yeah. Well, our yeah. community was. More, I mean, I think the thing is, you know, there's always been a bit of a separation mm. anyway because men and women and yeah. we want different yeah. things when we're partying and all of that mm-hmm. sort of thing. But we were a much smaller community. Mm. I think that's what people forget, right? Mm-hmm. So we're talking probably your parents' generation. Yeah. And so it was a much smaller numbers in this country. And the circumstances kind of forced us to be together, right? Mm. Less choice, less spaces to go to. Um, you have more things in common. You know, yeah. the politics you're fighting for are the same. And mm. I think they're very much now, and I'm an older man, so mm. I don't occupy a particular world. So mm. I can only speak from my perspective. But I think that because we're quite individualistic now, it's very much about me and my yeah. brand and who I am and what I'm putting out there, that we're not necessarily about building a, a community collective. We talk about black queer community, but where are we really building it? Mm. How are we coming together? So it's no surprise that there's division, yeah. right? Yeah. I don't know what it's like to go clubbing or to go partying right mm. now, but... You miss how much. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was better than... Yeah, Unless like... they're playing that playlist. <laughs> exactly. Well, look, look at the pictures. Like, you guys, like, you were really shocking it down. Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And enjoying, yeah. you know, yourselves. I'm just, I keep, just togetherness and community. I don't think we really yeah, it looks that. It looks very together, more than it does now. So well, looking I, at it, it just looks like, oh. I, love, I, mean, I mean, I think the thing, yeah, I mean, it was, but, you know, it, I try not to look back on the, in the past with rose-coloured glasses. Mm. It was also tough. It was yeah. also shady. Mm. It was also people falling out, you mm. know, woman stealing somebody else's woman, <laughs> man guess. stealing somebody else's man, <laughs> fights at pride, you yeah. know, all of that stuff yeah. happened because mm. I think we're also young. Mm. You know, you guys are young and, mm. and the scene is young and... I always believed, you know, young people, of course, are going to fall out. Yeah. Of course, yes. they're going to have ruckus and you're with my girl. And, yeah. blah, blah, blah. and when you're in your mid-30s, you'll be like, oh, did I really fall out and yeah. fight over that foolishness? <laughs> did I really stop chatting to that person because yeah. of that? Mm. But you're young and you're fired up. And yeah. so you should be excited and, you know, making yeah. up noise and all that sort of thing. But you should also try to build community at the mm. same time. Definitely. How has it been for you, like, going through all the archives, looking at the pictures and just bring all the memories back and stuff? Like, have you have you looked at it and had to call a friend and be like, listen, <laughs> I've just seen this picture. I remember when this happened. Do you know, it, I mean, it's been really lovely because on some levels, the pictures where I'm in them or I'm with friends, mm. you know, I've reconnected with some people that I haven't seen for a while mm. or haven't spoken to, you know, for whatever reason. And it's been lovely lovely to just go damn we really go out wearing that (laughs) or there's one picture in particular of me and a you know a great gay icon and activist Dennis Carney and Mm -hmm. we're both kind of dressed up wearing these like uh what do you call them like a mask yeah and short shorts and we're going to some club and we used to go to this club and there used to be a swimming pool in the club oh. and at the end of every night we'd get down to our jockeys or whatever <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and seeing those pictures brought mm. back all of those memories and there's things that you've observed from seeing them mm-hmm. the way that our scene was mm-hmm. you know and how lovely it was but also how challenging it could be as mm. well but for me some of the pictures are uh, before I came out so yeah. they're history to me so yeah. it's lovely seeing pictures of people like Patrick Liverpool who was mm. a father of a house or yeah. Ted back in the day or Yvonne Taylor back mm. in 1975 seeing that also makes me go yeah there's a really rich history before me yeah. as well mm-hmm. so it really is going way back in yeah. the day for all of us yeah. mm-hmm. and black history as black well history. black queer history because we don't see that we always see you know white you know white history if there is some we see that 
Um, but we never see, you know, we never see black queer history. And I remember reading an article about a lady who had, she was a bisexual lady who had a, like a nightclub. Was it in Brixton? Her, her all cops. Yes, yeah. yes. And I was like, I was so amazed because we don't hear about these. Obviously, none of this is all written down. So it's all oral. It's just a mm. storytelling, people passing it down. And it's so beautiful. Like I just, in terms of spaces, like that you went to, how was that? Was there, was it like a limited amount of spaces? Cause, or did you, and did you go to the white spaces as well? I very, personally, I very rarely went to white spaces because mm. I didn't like the music. Yeah, you know? <laughs> um, I wasn't into the music they were playing. I went to predominantly black spaces. Yep. So there would be club nights primarily mm-hmm. like there are now. Yeah. So yeah. they'd be in, they'd be in white clubs, but it would be a black night. Right, the right night. Um, yeah. So places like Bad's, Jungle, which was in Charing Cross Road's Bad was in Behind Heaven as well mm. um but lots of house parties mm. there was a club called traffic that was my favorite in king's cross which was in this pub and then you'd go down into the basement right. and sweat off the yes. probably like i've heard queer brock or yeah. dolphin superstore yeah. right? so exactly the same mm-hmm. um we ain't even been to any of them but yeah, yeah. <laughs> but one of, one of the best clubs i think that i ever remember for black folk with the vox which was in brighton terrace in brixton and the Vox was on two floors. Mm-hmm. And the reason the Vox was really special, because before that, we'd all been in quite small spaces. And it was two floors. And the downstairs was house music mm-hmm. all night. Mm-hmm. And the upstairs was Bashment R&B and Soka. Listen, and so I would love just <laughs> going yeah. between the yeah, two the of two. them the whole night. And it was Friday nights. And that mm-hmm. place. And he'd, you'd finish, grab a dance, mm-hmm. up against the wall probably. Jeez. Some crumb. <laughs> <laughs> and then everybody would descend on McDonald's in Brixton. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And fight. <laughs> So There's always been a fight. Things, things haven't changed about the no. fighting. They haven't changed. The queers love a fight. Yes. Yeah. What? After every club night, there's, there's someone in the corner somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Always Scrappy. someone getting gripped up, man. And you're just watching like, <laughs> rah, just come past you. Like, oh my God. So how was it over the years as you've seen like every establishment just go? Like, even now, they feel like we're losing spaces. Yeah, just, yeah there isn't many. And mm. the ones that there are, they're always white-owned as well. Mm. And we always say we need to get our own spaces. And But I remember I saw you on Twitter one time say that it needs to be multi-purpose for them to, um, to like, kind of survive almost, because instead of just club nights. So, but how was it for you guys as the year was going on and every event was leaving, every every building was being closed down mm. and stuff like that. Well, you know, you, I mean, I, it's an interesting one because as, as the scene has eroded, I've got a little older, mm. so I've kind of a little less, less connected mm. and don't, like, I would like, go out to the really club matter. anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, in, but I still like going out and mm-hmm. I still like dancing. But I think that what's happened is that all queer spaces, regardless of who they're catering for, have disappeared mm. with the gentrification, the hike of prices, rents across the capital. So unless you're going into Soho mm. with those pubs, which most people aren't going to go to unless yeah. they're white or they're tourists or on a Friday night out, it's affected all of our communities, right? right? Mm. Regardless of where we are. So there's only a handful of spaces to go to. And that's been devastating because this is where we build ourselves as mm. individuals, mm. right? I've been saying recently, don't underestimate the power of the dance floor yeah. because it's where we fall in love and we create mm. community and we build our politics. Mm-hmm. So I've seen spaces really disappear. We got distracted, I think, mm-hmm. you know, as mm-hmm. a community because yeah. our eyes go over over here. Um, we go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. The, we're on Grinder or Tinder. So we're not really worried about going and hooking up because mm. I can do it from the seat oh, of my true. house. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, if I'm a bit more welcomed in straight spaces or there are so much more spaces that are true. mixed, mm. you know, or 
I'm actually so cool with who I am and my sexuality and I don't I give zero fucks mm. that I can actually go out in the world and take up a, a space yeah. somewhere because who's telling me I'm not? Yeah. So I think that's a really beautiful thing and it's great yeah. but we still want them and we need and we deserve and we should have those spaces because mm-hmm. there's nothing like you say about UK Black Pride mm-hmm. there is nothing more beautiful when we own and it's ours mm. even if it's six hours a night yeah, yeah. you're yeah. right I do feel that I feel for us specifically it's like we're going into more inclusive spaces yeah. now mm-hmm. so it's just like okay we've forgotten about the queer spaces yeah like yeah. one rave drop ticket yesterday we would have been on like we just we yeah. just yeah <laughs> we're just like yeah yeah we're just yeah. like no yeah. but, that, but that being said we are bringing our own you wouldn't do our own yeah we our own queer events yes mm-hmm. for Good. black that's people what, that's what I want to mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. That, that, that's what you know, this, is, this is what we need to be doing is Doing those club nights, you know, making sure that they're that they're inclusive of people. I think the one thing that I my complaint is that there's nothing for people my age. Mm. You know, there's very very little space for people in their forties and fifties, right? So if I go to a space now, I'm not going to hear the music that I want to hear. Yeah. You know, and that's because of the age that I'm at. Mm-hmm. You know, so I need to go and create those spaces. Mm-hmm. So me and DJ Biggie C, who created those playlists. Yeah. We're now toying to- with the ideas. Okay, so where can we do our over 40 space? Yeah, yeah. you guys should. You'd still be welcome, though. Yeah, I mean, I would, no, listen, you're going to be there. I'm glad you said that. We've got like 10 years off, so I'm trying to be welcome. Especially invite for the two twos party. Yes. <laughs> okay, yeah. One of my colleagues, actually, I've got a queer colleague as well. She would love that. Yeah. She would actually, because right now she's like, why am I coming late for? But yeah. there's, a lot, there's a lot of elders out there, you yeah. know, who still want to go out, still want to rave, still want to be part of the community, and but don't mm. want to go to you know, a different space. So, yeah. mm, mm, mm. I agree with that. Because I was thinking, like, as we get older, we are, we do start to have more responsibilities. If you have kids, a family and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So the clubs, we're too tired for the clubs, really. So, And we're seeing that. Yeah. But I'm sure there are people out there who do want to go out. Yeah. Who yeah. are in their 40s mm-hmm. and do want to go out. It's a nice time. And as you said, like, the being on the dance floor, like, last year was a tough year because yeah. we couldn't go out. And it was so hard, mm-hmm. especially like I'm gonna speak for myself. It was so hard because going out is that you get that release. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? We didn't get that. No. Yeah, yeah, we didn't get that. So yeah, we're gonna take advantage mm. of yeah. outside opening. The yeah, club man. is our church. Always remember that. Yeah, kind of. You know, <laughs> yeah, club is our church. It's club true. is that queer church. Mm. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I agree. All right, so we wanted to talk counselling as well. Okay. Yeah, so um, we knew that you had a counsellor mm-hmm. that you wanted to find. Mm. How's it going? <laughs> you, f- you f- no, you, f- you, found you found him. him. You found yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, you, you watch a documentary. I, I, I watch some. Yeah. <laughs> some. I, 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 I don't watch things. She don't watch things. Yeah. She don't watch. You're off the hook. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she don't watch things. Yeah. I, I saw the documentary. It was mm. so moving. Thank you. Um, was it John Shanks? John Shanks. Yes, yes, yes. And just you two meeting each other, it was just such a moment. Like, and the the man, it was touching. It was touching. And to have somebody like that at the time we needed them, that was amazing. But could you share for people that don't know the story? Could you tell us a little bit about the about your story and about John Shanks? Yeah, so as I said earlier, you know, I was diagnosed with HIV back in 1986 mm-hmm. and I was 17 and it was a really, really dark time for me and for lots of people yeah. who were living through the epidemic. And for a good few years, I didn't do anything about it. I just kind of bumbled mm-hmm. through life and, you know, just got on with it. And in 1990, I decided to seek out some support because mm-hmm. I was just going down a really rocky road and mm-hmm. I had a therapist called John Shanks who was at the Landmark which was a service centre for people living with HIV in Brixton. Mm. Um, And John gave me some sessions. You know, I'd see John every week for about a year. And he just guided me and listened to me and this really confused, angry, frightened young man um, who didn't know where to go. 
mm-hmm. and John just held me and made me work out the answers. Mm-hmm. So um, he enabled me to just go on with my life, and I did, and I didn't see him for 30 years. And an opportunity came up with this documentary, uh, Saved by a Stranger, and they set out on a hunt to find him. And we got reunited in the summer of last year after 30 years. And Crazy. it was really moving, really powerful. Yes. No, 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 really. Um, but it was also, when I when I kind of look back and I watched a documentary and reflected on it, it was really important to me to, to show the importance of counselling and therapy and talking to someone, you know. Mm-hmm. And as a young black man, that wasn't something that I thought was available to me. Yeah. My mum was a social worker, so she was all about, you know, go and talk to people, mm-hmm. and, which was great. Um, but mental health and seeking things out, we didn't have the language that we have yeah. now for it. So it was absolutely one of the best things I ever did, seeking that counselling at that time. And also having the right therapist mm-hmm. as well. Um, yeah, the reason why we brought this up as well is because obviously I got the Black LGBT Therapy Fund. And today is actually a year. Yeah, today's wow. a year. Awesome. And for me, like over the years, over the year, like having it done and stuff like that, through talking to different therapists, we only work with black queer therapists and we all try to speak about the importance and we're trying to like get the message out there for a lot of black queer people to understand, especially black queer men. Mm. We really want to get black queer men into therapy and we just want to tell them like, it's okay. Like, do you know what I mean? Mm. We, we understand you're going through troubles and, but there's someone here to actually help you. And even me, like some of the stories I've heard from people having their therapy through the program have been, I didn't know some people on the brink like that. Mm. I didn't understand. Like when they came, I just didn't know because I know them in social settings. I didn't know. So having them come through and today has been very reflective for me and um, reading some of the emails and stories that they said, you know, thank you. Even some of the therapists as well. They've just been like, we didn't, we kind of, as a therapist, even though I'm a black queer therapist, I haven't been seeing black queer people. Mm. So it's been nice to see that they can find us now through this pro- program. And um, they've also feel reconnected to the black queer scene mm-hmm. as well. Like, mm. even though they're not on the scene, but they yeah. still yeah. feel um, reconnected. Yeah. So like, I just like hearing that people have had therapy. Mm. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And people um, trying to spread that. It's life changing, you know. Yeah. I'm a so, huge, I'm a huge champion mm-hmm. of therapy. I mean, I've, I've, I've never. I mean, I've done lots of group work with people, which like, in some ways, group therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a qualified therapist in any in any yeah. respect at all. But I've done peer mentoring, but just allowing people that space to talk and to be listened to and to be heard mm-hmm. is incredible. And I think you're absolutely right about our black queer communities because, mm-hmm. you know, the world damages us. Do you know, yeah. and even if it doesn't damage us, when we come out into it, sometimes we're not fixed and ready for mm-hmm. for it. And just talking out those things with peers and people that might get it mm-hmm. is is invaluable to us. And it, I know that having really good therapy on and off throughout my life, and John wasn't my last counselor. Mm. I've had loads and loads yeah. of counselors over the years, has really made me the man I am today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nana. Join us. <laughs> I do need to join. Do you know what? I have a bad attitude sometimes because I'm just like, oh my God, I need solutions. And I can't, like if I'm just sitting there talking, is that going to make me feel better? Like I need solutions. I need, you know. I need- yeah, and I, I think even like some of my black male friends, they say things like, I need action. Mm. I don't, so they don't feel like therapy is necessarily the action they need to get out of whatever rut they're in. <laughs> but it's like, it is. Like you go, you're going to sit down and talk. That is kind of action. Well, it is. So that was one of the things that John taught me. And mm-hmm. he reflected on that in that reunion mm-hmm. when he said to me, you had the solutions yourself. Yes, he did. And that was one of the killer lines for me 
And I think that's the thing that we need to realise is that even if you want solutions, what the therapy does is by talking and just listening to you and going and helping you to unpick it, mm. it's just like scratching away. Yeah. A, a, like, you know, you pull away wallpaper, yeah. mm-hmm. you peel it away and you find this, ah, you've always got it inside you. The mm-hmm. therapy unblocks and takes you to that place to mm-hmm. see yeah. clearly. Yeah. I hear that, guys. I hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I hear that. Everybody needs therapy. Everyone has mental health. Everybody needs mm-hmm. to talk, you know, about that. But one thing I really wanted to talk about was black love. Because mm. I know that's important to you. <laughs> and I want, you day, know, we're, we're both in relationships um, with black women and we know the importance of it. Me personally, like, I am open to dating other people, but the, I probably wouldn't take it, like, f- too far just because I don't want to have to explain my... I don't have to explain what my identity. What do you mean by too far? <laughs> <laughs> Please, guys. We, we know what you mean. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyone is listening she, and she watching. She knows what I mean. She just wants me to... You, you just always do this to me. Every single time you get me to I be just, too honest. The, the listeners about want to know what you mean by too far. <laughs> when I say too far, I mean like marriage. I mean like marriage. It would probably okay. just be like a, you know, a good time. But the reason is because I just don't... I just can't be bothered to explain my identity in certain things. That's mm-hmm. the only reason. If they know it, that's great. If they know certain things, that's great. But I can't be sitting there trying, you know, explaining that I've got mm. enough to do, you know, in this mm. world. Mm-hmm. So definitely that's one of the reasons why I probably wouldn't like date outside my race, like long term. But um, why is it so important to you? Like, why is black love so important to you? It used to be for that reason mm-hmm. that I don't have to explain stuff. Mm-hmm. That used to be the really easy reason. Yeah. I have to explain rice and peas yeah. or I'm moisturising my skin <laughs> or as you move forward. Moisturising your skin. <laughs> my, you know, microaggressions. I don't want yeah. to explain all of yeah. that, right? Still very true, but more for me, black love is also about an investment. Mm. Okay? It's about investing in us. Okay. Now, stick with me on this. Mm-hmm. If you buy black business... You, you're investing in the black community, right? So you give your coin to a black business, mm-hmm. that money should get rotated. And if it's a black business owner, a black woman, she might be able to buy her kids some really good stuff, put them in a really good school, their education attainment goes up and they get a really good job and they start a business and they put the money back. Boom, boom, mm. boom, boom. Black love for me is something really, really similar. Mm-hmm. So if I give my love to another black man mm-hmm. in a world which teaches us that we shouldn't love each other, where he may have experienced that love, when we're together and we're loving each other, he's experiencing that love. Mm. Now, no matter what happens to us, and hopefully it's all good going forward, but we take that richness away and then we can play that forward into the world to the next person either we're with mm. or our families. And I know that there are many of us, and we've spoken about black queer people being traumatised or you know acting out or needing therapy. And if we give love to each other, then we will play that forward into the world and it makes us a stronger, richer, mm. more beautiful community than we already are. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, we're in Pride Month and so there's yeah. that line, you know, love is love and love mm-hmm. wins and all that sort of stuff. Love who you want to love, right? Do what you want to do if it makes you happy and mm. makes you walk tall in this world. My choice as a black man, mm. I love black people. Yeah, mm. that's like my girlfriend. She definitely would agree with you. <laughs> and also my dad would probably spin around in his brain. <laughs> If I'm honest, if I brought home John, my dad would be like, I'm the black <laughs> That is crazy. I hear that. How do you feel about black love? Pay for it. <laughs> is that all you got to ask? I think, uh, yeah, I do. I've never dated out as anyone who yeah. isn't black before. Mm. And um, it just isn't something that has been on my radar to do. You know, mm. and also because I've I've got a daughter, so I've got she's going to be ten this month, mm-hmm. right. and um, for me, I because I've raised a black 
girl. Yeah. I just want a black person to come into our lives, you know, mm-hmm. that understands, mm-hmm. going to help nurture her as a powerful black woman that she's going to be one day. And I just want anything around her that's going to help her be that person. And I just feel like another black person's the only person that's going to do that. So yeah. that's my main yeah. reason. I get that. A hundred percent. I'm here for yeah. it. Um, Another thing is, yeah, speaking about love, like, and black love, we always hear our gay brothers say that, you know, it's hard for them to find mm. love and all this stuff. Like, yeah. you know, we our last so. episode, not our last episode, <laughs> the episode before that, we had uh, a gay man on there and he was talking about grinder and how, you know, like, the guys are just on grinding, it's quick, 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 you know. And there's not a lot of, ro- there's not a lot of romance. romance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's why a lot of black men go to white guys. Because at least they're going to get some sort of romance. <laughs> I mean, can I swear? I don't think that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, about finding romance with, with, with white men. Mm-hmm. Dating is difficult, period. Mm. Regardless of who you are uh, and all the rest of it. I, I think maybe dating as, a, dating as a black man or black mm-hmm. people may be slightly more challenging for, for different reasons. Or for the reasons that we've spoken about before. Mm. Trauma. Yeah. Not talked to love. You know, we don't have public displays of affection. Do you mm-hmm. know what I mean? So if I'm with my man, one of the most romantic things you can do is hold his hand right? yeah, or hug yeah. him on the street. We're not doing that. So mm-hmm. very often our relationships are inside. Mm-hmm. They're internal. And then also you cannot be what you can't see. So more often than not, the relationships we see of gay men, you know, particularly are either interracial. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So every time a black celebrity comes out, mm-hmm. what's the first thing me and my boys do? Oh, the boyfriend. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah. so there, there's all of that. And there's, you've got to do the work. Mm-hmm. You know, black love isn't easy. Love no. isn't easy. Mm-hmm. Falling in, falling out of love is not easy. I've only dated black guys in my life. Mm-hmm. Right? I've had some wonderful relationships. I've dated some absolute dickheads. Yeah. But I wouldn't swap any of them for anything. Yeah. Because the beauty of being with them is our blackness. Mm-hmm. And the fact that the world tells me that two black men, you should not be doing this. And mm-hmm. I'm like, oh yeah, really? Yeah. <laughs> Come yeah. on, man. Mm-hmm. so it's yeah. difficult out there it's mm-hmm. tough and I wish my brothers who said that who say that do the work man yeah do the work you yeah. will find love you will find that beautiful black man out there just do the work mm-hmm. I think it's about the work as well if because some of the um, yeah if they listen if do, the work. do the work some of the stories that I hear it's like they need to come to me they need to find me and if the black men are not finding me then I'm going to go to whoever's approaching me. That's the white guys. But if we're all you know? saying that, <laughs> yeah. if everybody is saying that, then we're all just kind of like putting our heads in the sand and going, mm-hmm. and going nowhere. And it's that whole conversation about sexual racism online that was happening yeah. in a while. You know, no blacks, no fats, mm. and all that sort of stuff. And loads of black guys going online going, you know, I think it's outrageous, these white gay men. And, you know, when Grindr took down their filter choice. And, oh, yeah. and I was like, that's never happened to me. I've yeah. never experienced that one. And somebody said to me, why? And I was like, because I'm not looking white men. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I've never experienced sexual racism. It's true. Because if a, I'm not looking them. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's so true. So why, right why swim in a swimming pool where they don't want you, fam? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is true. That I'm, you know, our mantra is like, go where love is. That's what we true. say. And yeah. it's, it's a word, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's a frigging word. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, we were meant to talk about what's next for um, the archive, but we skipped over. Oh, yes, 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 we did. We're talking bear, yeah. yeah. The archive, yeah. What is next in the archive? Well, Jason and I, Jason Okandaya and I, who run the archive, are still rolling it. It's mm-hmm. really organic, you know, okay. and the archive depends on submissions, you know, so we oh, need the elders okay. digging those yeah. photo albums yeah. and boxes and get those pictures out. But we're just going to keep rolling it through the throughout the year. We've got a couple of ideas bubbling under, which mm. we're looking at doing as time goes on. 
I'd love to have an exhibition of it at some point be next amazing. year. It'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, right now, we're just going to keep ticking it over because I think when we set it up, it was about celebrating our lives and making sure a younger generation could see it. And that's mm. why it's on Insta. Mm-hmm. And I think we've been really successful in doing so, but also really successful in making it part of the nation's history, mm, right? Yeah. Because black queer history is black British history and British history. And as long as we've done that right now, mm-hmm. I'm really proud of that. And I can step away from it and go, job done. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I'm hoping we get more pictures, we'll keep adding to it and it'll keep rolling. And then if some lovely funder wants to give me 50 grand next year to yeah. stay hey, listen, listen, or, yeah. or tape, you know, or the Barbican or wherever, yeah, yeah. you know, we're here. Yeah. You know, I think this bit is off off the record. But I did a panel with um the guy that's doing the LGBT museum. You've heard about that? Uh yeah. The LGBT yeah. museum uh Joe? Yeah, yeah. yeah Joe Galliano. And we were talking about um like the black history. I was asking, is the black history gonna be involved in this? And he just said something about, you know, if I wouldn't want to do this if it wasn't as inclusive as it is. So I told him about the archive. So I was just like, so is the archive going to be included? Have you hit up? Mm. And he was kind of like, no, but... I was thinking... <laughs> yeah, I mean, off, off, off the record. I mean, yeah. Joe and I... Joe and I are, uh, let's say we're... Uh, what's the word? Acquainted. Mm-hmm. We know each other through work and mm-hmm. stuff. And I'm involved in Queer Britain mm-hmm. now and I've just done some records with them as well. So I think that... And again, this is going back to about taking spaces. Mm-hmm. So this is about us, me, going in and saying to Joe, right, okay, I know you. We work really well together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Where's a streak of blackness in the museum? Yeah. yeah. The good thing about queer Britain is that there are black folk who are involved behind the scenes. So people like Ajamu are involved mm-hmm. in it, you know. So I think that we can rest assured that we are now in a space where institutions like that mm-hmm. understand it's really important. And I think that folk like you are on panels mm-hmm. and are asking the questions yeah. and are pushing. So I don't think there's any space that can open which talks about our history in this country without us being incredibly prominent and yeah, incredibly visible. Definitely. But I say that with the caveat that we, as people of colour, we have to be the one that needs to be going, putting that stuff out there because, again... They're not going to do it easily. Yeah. And we have to provide that stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. so true. It's mm. so true. But you have actually taught me the importance of taking pictures and mm. documenting things because I'm not one to do it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm just like, oh my God, people need to know I was here. Yeah. yeah. People yeah. need to know I was it's here. It's true. Like all the pictures on our phones yeah. and stuff like that. It's not going to cut it. We need physical. Yeah. Like my parents have all the photo albums. <laughs> even though they're catching dust up in the attic and stuff, they still have your it. Your great grandkids are going to go through yeah, those. Yeah, like this family. They're not going to go through your phone, are they? No, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like, that. Do, you know, do you know how many pitch, precious pictures that I've lost of my daughter because they're just on my phone? Mm. And it yes. hurts. And it, I'm not going to get that mm. back. Obviously, it's in my, it's in my memory back, yeah. but it's never, it's nothing I can show her herself. Right. Even. Yeah. right. So, like, definitely printing pictures yeah, yeah. <laughs> i've got i've got a big box like massive box at home yeah which is like 30 years of like pictures which i'm yeah lots <laughs> right. so when you guys were at prize and all the celebrations and everything like that were you did you guys just get your camera out yeah i mean you take your camera out you take you suppose those little disposable cameras, yeah. cameras right which you probably remember you take one of those with you um ajamu would always be yeah. at the festivals taking pictures of so people really good, yeah. always mm. taking snaps and that's mm-hmm. why we've got them um so yeah, I mean, I've collected a few over over mm-hmm. the years, but hopefully people still keep digging. Yeah, as well. I hope so as well. We want to yeah. see some more. So Even all the ones we see you in there, you're always having a good time. I know. <laughs> and we saw Jide. 
Oh yeah, we saw the one of Rivet Jaday. Rivet Jaday, that was like wow. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, it was earrings. I know. So, I like, what? <laughs> yeah, baby Jaday. Yes. Yeah, baby Jaday. Yeah, I yeah. remember when I first met loved, Jaday. and you guys look so amazing and handsome and good looking yeah. and just yeah. there was a lot of good looking yeah. guys back then. Yeah. <laughs> and also, even the women, like, because we, when we were on the way here, we were saying we were talking about. Um, where are they like the older queer women? Like where, so I when when you guys upload, I click to see. I always click um <laughs> yeah. at Aiden there. And yeah. I go and stalk their pages. So do I. Obviously they're not there's not much on their pages, yeah. but I don't stalk what's on there. Mm-hmm. And that, I mean that's also been one of the challenges that we've had with the page. I mean, anybody mm-hmm. that's looked at it will see that it is overwhelmingly male. Mm-hmm. But that's not for want of trying to get pictures. And I think what's what's interesting about the archive is that there is loads of stuff out there. But there are still lots of people who aren't out, mm. yeah, yeah, you know, or of, mm-hmm. or they're out, but they're living really, really quiet lives. Yeah, yeah. Or they're not on Insta. It's they don't want to be yeah. part of the world, yeah. you know. There are a couple of pictures that we posted, and people are like, yeah, happy to post, but don't tag me, don't right. name me, yep. you know, you're not going to recognise me now, oh, right, okay. that sort of thing. So people still want a certain amount of privacy, which kind of makes me go, damn, the internal homophobia that we held mm. after all these years is some big hill for us to get over. Yep. So the people that have submitted, I think are incredibly brave, you yeah. know, to share that narrative yeah. with the world and they get what we're trying to do as well. So again, I want more women. We had our first pictures of trans folk recently, mm-hmm. Miss Kimberly mm-hmm. and Wynn, which was bloody amazing. So we just want to keep building that up. So yeah, yeah I need to get back and start digging up. Yeah, we, maybe if we know some people, we can tell them to add yeah. some. Please, we we actually do know some people we can ask. Do we? Yeah, Charlotte's aunties, have gay aunties. Oh, yes. Yes. There you go. Yes. Yes. Get the aunties. Yeah, yeah. Aunties. even this yeah. summer, we, we were like grilling them with so many questions over the summer. Really? At a baby shower, we saw them. Yeah. And they were just telling us that like, we're just like, because they were kind of looking at us and they, said, <laughs> they were we, smiling yeah, at us. They just kept smiling and we didn't know them. They just kept smiling. We just They're like, you're just here with your girlfriends just being free. And she's like, do you know, it's just beautiful to see because yeah. we just weren't like that, mm. you know? Yeah. So it was nice. Even like, she was like, even now, even when we're, we're together, we're still, there's still a certain distance we mm-hmm. keep between ourselves mm. in public. Even though we know it's okay, it's just, we're just stuck in our old ways. Mm-hmm. And that's what she was telling us. But yeah. it was nice. She was just telling us lots of stories and... She's like, you know, some people fall off and go and get married to straight people. And stuff. Yes, like, that that that. I mean, I, it's really funny because we were looking for somebody recently, <laughs> like we were hunting this guy down for something, hunting, hunting, hunting. And someone said, you know, he got married and he's got two kids now. And I was like, what? Wow. I was like, well, yeah, he lives out in so-and-so and he's got yeah. two big kids. And I was like, right. <laughs> that boy was all up in the club back in the day. Oh, yeah, it's, it's going to be them ones. It's going to be them ones. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Yes. This was good. I like this. Yeah, this, this amazing episode. I love yes, this. Yes, we love it. We love yes. it. So, tell people where to find you on social media and tell them about some articles as well. So, go and read mm. some articles. That's why I don't watch TV because, you know. Ah, you're, you're <laughs> reading she, she reads the articles, yeah. All the time. yeah. So, you can get you on my socials at Mark T underscore, M A R C T underscore O one on all my socials. Um, check out my website. So, I, my company's called The Love Tank CIC, and our big project is Prepster. We provide lots of sexual health information mm-hmm. for queer community. So definitely check them out. I've got some amazing articles, some Guardian features, independent. There's loads mm-hmm. of stuff that I did over the past few months. And just Google my name. Yeah, I was going to say just Google. Yeah. Just Google. And, but definitely watch a documentary, Safe yeah, by a yeah. Stranger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Absolutely. Even to my prep, like uh, Phil came on and told us so much about prep. Yeah. So much we didn't know. <laughs> So and much. you know some people messaged us afterwards and like oh, they didn't know about it and it was nice to hear even some straight people that mm. were like 
But the thing is, prep is for everyone. It's for everyone. That's one thing we, we, that Phil came on to kind of tell mm. us about. It's actually for everyone. Yeah, yeah. So. But the other thing we're also interested, just quick sidebar, I mean, mm. because, you know, just think about the audience is that, you know, at the Love Tag, we're all about community health and queer health. And one mm. of our new projects we're going to be looking at launching later this year is around queer health mm. in particular. So I'm really interested in about women's health mm. as well and black queer women's health. Mm. You know, so think about cervical smears, breast cancer, all of these conversations which we're not having in the community. Mm. When was the last time you saw something which was targeting you as black queer women? Which nope. said, when was the last time you had a smear? None. Nope. When was the last mm. time you checked yourself for breast mm-hmm. cancer? For when was the last time? Mm-mm. Right? Mm-hmm. Never so wouldn't something you like, like to see something with black yeah. queer women fronting that and talking yeah. about it? Definitely. That? Yeah. Right, the Love Tank's going to do something. We'll talk. Yeah. Two, yeah. Two's podcast yeah. Love Let's Tank. Do oh, yeah. Come on now. Do you know what? I've had two smear tests. Yeah. And I remember the, when I got the first one, my mum was on to me because the letter came in the house and yeah. she was like, How do you? I was like, no, like, I don't need it. I don't need it. Like, what is it? Was, to me, it was scary as well. And then when I finally went for it, I said, do you know what? It wasn't that bad. I mean, it was a bit of a struggle, but it wasn't that bad. Yeah. And then I went for the second one. Uh, I went for the second one around the same time as my girlfriend went for her first one because mm. she was scared. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go and you're going to see there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. But... 100% especially as like masculine, masculine yep. women don't go for it mm. yeah. because they're scared of the thing that's going to insert the and the swab yeah. and mm-hmm. like they don't go for it so I want to tell you guys go for it yeah. <laughs> go for yeah. it let's do some work let's yeah, do it yeah, yeah, for sure, sure. Okay, cool. but yeah so thank you so much My thank pleasure. you so much you guys don't forget to use the hashtag Tutu's Podcast and Conversation make sure you follow us on Spotify and Apple Music and until next week peace, peace.